We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Parker Olson, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here, even even remotely, maybe maybe one day in person. But yeah, 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 that'd be super cool. Well, you're the founder of Forage, uh, which. I cannot wait to dig into because it has a lot to do with mushrooms, and I'm a big fan of the mushroom. Um, you're also doing a lot of stuff in private equity and AI, and you know you're like a multipreneur like me. It's sort of like there's too many cool things to do. I wish I could do them all, and I try, and then things happen. But uh, it's a blessing and a curse. It is. It is. Well, it's interesting because it's just curiosity, right? Like. What's the only job where you can be super curious? It's uh, entrepreneurship, right? Um, yeah, and make money too, or at least, at least try to. <laughs> in theory. <laughs> but before we dig into all that sort of fun stuff, the, as I always like to say, why don't you tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? Man, I, that, that question could be answered a, a thousand ways. I mean, to your point, right? It's like, I feel like what I'm doing right now is because I was curious you know, six months ago, a year ago, and a decade ago, and then did something. And that's kind of something else. So I guess, you know, I guess how I'll answer that today is what brought me here today um, is really because I didn't have friends. Uh, I guess I guess we'll start there. So I think that's a good one. Um, so I, I moved to Seattle back in 2016, 2017, maybe. I should know that. And, and didn't know anyone out here. And, you know, a, a colleague invited me to a weekend, like beach trip over Memorial Day weekend or, or uh, Labor Day weekend, this whatever this past weekend was in September. And um, anyways, I just you know met a couple guys. They were cool. And they were like, we're going to do an Ironman. You should do it with us. And I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, I'm it. And, and for me, it was because I didn't have any friends and I wanted to meet. I wanted to meet. I wanted to Iron make friends. Man. and was like, yeah, Iron I was like, man. I went home. I paid the like $500. And was yeah. like, oh, shit, that's really expensive. And I looked at the distances and was like, Oh yeah. my God. Like I, from that day forward, I was genuinely afraid of like dying on course. Like I, I, I was in okay shape. Like I ran when I was young, but like I was doing anything, but 
it afforded me uh, some some friends and, you know, we would hang out and train all the time. And, you know, I actually live with one of them right now. He's my roommate. Uh, another one lives next door. And we're all like really good, really, really close friends. Um, slight side story, but actually one, one of them and I formed a domestic, a very platonic domestic partnership this past weekend, sort of as an excuse to throw um, a really fun party. Um, anyways, cool. so, so I get into Ironman training. I get into learning all about like nutrition and fueling and training and heart rate zones. And from that got really sort of compelled and intrigued about nutrition. Um, so it became pretty clear to me of like, okay, what I consume impacts how I feel and like how I'm training and, and performing and whatever. And that kicked off like it, what ended up being an 18 month experiment. Right. So I like needed friends. And so I signed up for something I felt super uncomfortable about. And then I was training, I learned about nutrition and then I got really kind of curious about, okay, like, you know, people are eating vegan. Why are people eating vegan? Why are people eating keto? And I spent 18 months for 30 days at a time trying different nutritional regimens. So like you name the general nutritional diet, I probably tried it within that 18 months. Um, and it was, it was, it was cool. Uh, you know, I learned a lot. There were some months that were better than others. And one of the best months that I had was supplementing with some of these like functional or medicinal mushrooms. So this is kind of like one of the starting points of, of mushrooms for me. And are, are you familiar with any of these mushrooms at all? Oh yeah, very much yeah. so. I'm familiar okay, so. with uh, turkey tail, cool. lion's mane, psilocybin. <laughs> cool. All those, all, yeah. All, all the above. All the above. Yeah. A, a quick side point for anybody listening and, and trying to have like a, a good takeaway here early on. Uh, we actually don't use turkey tail in any of our products. I, I sell a food-based product um, that's fortified with, with these mushrooms so you get the benefits. There's a reason we don't sell food turkey tail, which I'll touch on in a second. But when anybody asks me, okay, what's the one mushroom I should be consuming every day? I'd say turkey tail, hands down. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah, I got, you know, really interested why I felt so good supplementing with these mushrooms this one month. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm like at the local uh, apothecary buying all sorts of different herbs and mushrooms. And then I am at the local mushroom club uh, monthly meetings. And then I joined that mushroom club and then I got into mushroom foraging. And, and then I actually ended up sitting on the board of, of this mushroom society. It's the Puget Sound Mycological Society. It's, it's the largest mushroom club in the United States. I sat on the board there for, for two years and just like went all in on mushrooms. I don't know. I thought mushrooms are super cool. Um, and a little bit of, you know, I, I think some people have maybe a skewed interpretation or understanding of mushrooms in their, in their mental model. And so I, I like to you know, try and communicate about mushrooms. In the following way. Um, so, so a lot of people think mushrooms are black and white, right? You have like, I don't know, portobello mushrooms over here and you have like deadly psychedelic mushrooms over here. And that's, and that's it. It's like, it's like black or white, right? The reality is, is like mushrooms or, or the kingdom of fungi exist on, on a broad spectrum. So, right. So, you, you know, you have like maybe portobello mushrooms over here and you have like death cap mushrooms over here, which are a highly lethal mushroom. Now, in, you know, along that spectrum, you, you know, maybe all the way on the left, these are more your edible mushrooms, right? So, you know, portobello, white button mushroom, round button mushroom, uh, coral mushroom, whatever. And then you, you start to move over, you, you, you get into more of this medicinal or functional mushroom category. So, um, you know, different mushrooms that have different um, medicinal compounds that uh, have you know, basically added benefits for your body. So it isn't just protein, right? Uh, lion's mane, for example, um, is the best uh, synthesizer of a chemical in your brain called neurogrowth factor, which is what your neural cells feed on to actually grow. Uh, turkey tail is, is used as a cancer treatment around the world. 
Um, so, so you start to get into these mushrooms that have really interesting, um, cool medicinal compounds in them. Um, fun fact, some people know, some people don't know, shiitake mushrooms actually have medicinal compounds, but a lot of people think they're just an edible mushroom. Well, they're both. They're cool. And then from, from this functional medicinal mushroom, that, you know, maybe then you start to slide over more to like the psychedelic world. So yeah, yes, there are psychedelic mushrooms, but there's also like medicinal mushrooms that maybe have some psychedelic compounds. Um, and then from there, yeah, then maybe you get into mushrooms that make you sick or like there are some mushrooms that have been known to paralyze your body. And then maybe you get into mushrooms that are lethal and deadly. And that is sort of like, I guess, how I like to think about the spectrum um, where like it isn't necessarily black and white. No, totally. Like, like just like anything, you know, like it's a, everything's a True. spectrum, including yeah. people. But but I think the, the one burning question that I'm fascinated with is, uh, did you finish the Iron Man? Fair, fair question. Yeah, I, I did finish the Iron Man. Um, I finished wow. the Iron Man, and, I, and I've done two other sets, uh, two, two other half Iron Man. So I just did a half Iron Man, you know, six months gone. To me, it's like I am performing best at work when I'm fully in train mode because there's just something about being in really good shape. And when you're working really hard at something, you know, during the day, and you go and train, and you're working really hard, it's like allows you like turn off one part of your brain and like turn on the other one. Um. See, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really into that. And, you know, for what it's worth as well, like it was a huge mental shift for me when I first completed it because I thought it was fun. Excuse my language. I thought it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It is crazy. And then you go and do it and you're like, what yeah, else do bad. I fundamentally believe is crazy? Yeah. That isn't crazy. Yeah. I, 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 I've finished an Ironman, done a bunch of half, half Ironman. This is a long time ago. I don't do it anymore. My, my poison now is jujitsu. So, oh, cool. Or jujitsu now. Right. Um, but I remember training for the Ironman, 20 hour a week endeavor. It's a part time job. And I mean, I trained for nine months and I was already in shape. Right. So, you just like, yeah, I'm just going to roll off the couch and do this. <laughs> it's like, okay, you're, you're well, we cut trained. Up. We trained. <laughs> no, I know. But like, you're like, it's cut up. Right. Yeah. But I just remember. You know, that swim, literally the first hundred yards of the swim, I cramped up. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. no, this is going to be a bad day. But, you know, after a while, you just sort of get used to it. And I finished. I didn't blaze a trail in terms of, you know, speed, but I got through it. And which, which races did you do? I, I did the Vine Man for the Iron Man, the Iron Man distance. And then I would do like all sorts of half Iron Mans and, and Olympics. I was into open water swimming, so I did like Escape from Alcatraz a bunch of times. Oh, you know, cool. it, just Someone silly. You know, I used to. My friends and I used to have this mantra: "That's a horrible idea. Where do I sign up?" <laughs> right, and it's like the mentality of the entrepreneur too. I think in some ways, you know, it's like this is a horrible idea. Okay, how do I get involved with this? But not in a totally. Yeah, not in a way that's. Kind of evil, not evil. You know, it's going to be hard and miserable, but miserable in an enjoyable way. Not a lot of people understand the enjoyment of putting yourself through a 12, misery. 13 hours of misery. Wow. So lots of interesting on the mushroom thing because it's, I mean, my experience with them is, you know, my wife, um, Jane, had leukemia. She died of leukemia uh, six years ago. And literally, the book I wrote about it just dropped a couple of days ago. Yeah, Tuesday. Uh, to what? You should you should you should give a quick overview on that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, ride or die, loving through tragedy. A husband's memoir went live on September fifth, 
we're recording this a couple of days later. So, um, it, you know, it's the story of what it's like to be a caregiver to a sick spouse and all the challenges that that ensues. But one of the reasons I know about turkey tail mushrooms is that was one of the things we tried to help. It didn't, didn't work all the way, but when you're in that situation, you pretty much try anything. You can be like, yeah. well, says eat drinking a smoothie with all the spinach is going to help. Well, then let's go. Yeah, let's like you just it. do what you got to do. But I'm, I'm always fascinated by more of the plant-based natural remedy, you know, yeah. to, to things that are, you know, because, you know, I, I don't think it's controversial to say that cancer is a metabolic disease. And that there's obviously things that are impact that, your demeanor and your diet or whatever. We never knew why Jane got leukemia, but, you know, it's like any, every little thing you can do to kind of keep the organism healthy, you know, keep the host that you're in, <laughs> as, as Stamets would say with his host defense mushrooms. Um, stable <laughs> it's probably a good idea so yeah wow like you just did, did you um did you guys ever look at uh, any like psychedelic um medicines or or substances? not not at that state that was so you know she died six years ago we were going through that the one thing we looked at was uh rick simpson oil i don't know if you're familiar with rick simpson oil. you know what that is rick simpson oil is a massive concentration of marijuana cannabis so you basically concentrate it down to this really thick oil type it, it, it looks like tar like or like molasses actually molasses probably and one of the protocols was to just massively dose up on this rick simpson oil which was we tried to do this I, you know at the time you know in california where we were it was legal with a car medical marijuana card so we both got cards and she, we tried this protocol and when I'm saying massive dose, it's like heroic dose of marijuana that would make you hallucinate. And thought process was that if you know anything about cannabinoids and can cannabis in general is that they're inflammatory. There's just a lot of good, there's, they don't know exactly why, but there's kind of like mushrooms, like there's some properties that this Rick Simpson oil was really good at kind of helping. So especially metabolic stuff. So she also used cannabis to eat, you know, she chemo just to wreck. Right. No, no uh, <laughs> wreck. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she used it to help her appetite. Um, but yeah, we, we never, we never did like the psychedelic journey with her to help her get through the anxiety of dying. She, she had other, drugs like Ativan and other things that were like of the dozens of drugs I had to give her daily. You know, we had the Ativan and they had the Percocet. <laughs> It'll this cocktail of like, okay, I feel a little anxious today. All right. I mean, I would have known about psychedelics back then. I probably would have said, hey, maybe you should <laughs> try a little journey. Yeah. Interesting. So pretty much a deep dive. Anything you do is a deep dive, huh? Yeah. I mean, I think I mean, it sounds like similar to you, um, you know, but I don't know, you know, these, these trends you know, come around, right. I, I feel like a lot of this ends up becoming really opportunistic, right. I, I feel like a lot of people who are interested in entrepreneurship, everyone wants to know, like, what's the first step, right? Like, what do you do? Or like, like, 
what should I like have this great idea? Like, like, what do I do? Um, and the reality is, is like, you just have to like, keep pulling the thread. Like if you just want the, you know, the thread to turn into a sweater, it's not going to happen. The idea isn't just going to become a business overnight. And, And I think a lot of oftentimes like bootstrapped or sort of organically grind, um, you know, businesses through entrepreneurship really come, you know, to your point out of curiosity and, and somewhat opportunistically. Right. So I, I think about like some stories in in sort of my, um, in sort of, I don't know, like, like our experience with forage. Right. So, you know, I, I basically got really into mushrooms because I didn't have any friends and, and then I started, you know, putting mushrooms in my own foods. And then, you know, next thing I know, I'm just like, oh, like, do other people like this? Or I should look into mushrooms and realize, you know, got into the research and there's a lot of interesting research there and the market's developing. You're like, okay, that's interesting. And then, you know, I, I found myself at a, at a startup conference and Sam Parr's HustleCon. Sam Parr, some people know him. Oh, I literally do know him and I was actually an investor. Oh, Very really? Small investor. Yeah, no, cool. I, used, I used to talk with Sam. I used to actually go to his office occasionally and we would just chat about stuff because it was kind of cool because he had moved to San Francisco and it, it, it was funny because my late wife Jane was a publicist for professional athletes and so all of these professional athletes they always wanted to go do startup stuff they're like oh what's this start we want to learn how to invest and so she would just like trot uh-huh. me out as like hey Jari's a entrepreneur he was at 500 startups he, he knows some people We'll bring the athletes in and we'll just tour them around town. This was since, you know, where I live in San Francisco. And yeah. one of the tours we would always go to was the hustle to be like, and this is Sam and this is what he does. And it's like, oh my God, though, we take pictures and stuff. But yeah, Sam's a great guy. He's like, gosh, he's yeah. crushing it. Hustle con. So what, what, when were you at hustle? Yeah. I was at hustle con back in, this must have been, I think 2019. Shit. I think I was there. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Probably. And I like went across the town. Yeah, we we probably did. Um, but yeah, I, I went with a friend kind of on a whip. He was like, "Hey, I got a ticket. You should come. It'd be fun to hang out in Oakland for the weekend." And I was like, yeah. "Okay, cool." And I went out and you know at those things. And as you know, Zara, it's like everyone's like, "What are you working on?" Yeah. You know, like yeah. What's what's your st- what's your stealth startup? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which and, side hustle? Which side yeah, hustle? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I didn't have like a great answer. And so I, I like lied and was just like, I'm building the first like mushroom based food company. And you know, nine out of 10 people were like, don't care. Not tech, don't care. Yeah. Irrele- irrelevant to me. Like, see yeah. you later. <laughs> and one guy who was angel, he's an angel investor through the Kiretsu group, which I think is like a broad group. And yeah, they he, usually do like real estate and stuff too. Yeah. That's like yeah. Idea. I don't know. And he, he was like, oh, he's like, I think that's really cool. He's like, I actually think that's like kind of the head of the market. You know who would really like this is Sam Parr. Like, look, let me go introduce you to him, and like, you should pitch him. And I'm like, okay, fuck it. And so he he brings me over, and I remember so I remember it so clearly, Jari. And, and you're gonna know exactly what I'm about to describe here. Yeah. It's like during one of the, like the networking happy hours, and Sam's you know standing there, and there's like 15 people like suckling at his knee, like trying to like get his business card. You oh know yeah, what oh I mean? yeah. Yeah, Sam was very always very popular. He still is, but yeah. Yeah, and and all these people are like, T- tell us your secrets. You know, everyone's like looking up at him, and I'm, and I'm like, whatever, dude. And I'm like, I'll talk to that guy if I talk to him, but I'm not gonna like stand there and like, yeah, lose all my dignity to like try and get this man's business card, and then he's just never gonna apply to my email. Like, <laughs> and so, anyways, uh, this guy Mike, 
goes in and he cuts off like everybody else. He's like trying to talk to him. And he's like, Sam, like you should listen to this kid Parker. Like I think he has something that kind of gives a cool idea that you'd be interested in. And Sam's like, oh yeah, cool. Like, like, yeah, what's up? I'm Sam. And everybody there is like side-eye glaring, (laughs) which is pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm building the first mushroom-based food startup. You know, I think this market's really interesting. I have this profound experience through this dieting, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, like, sounds really cool. Like I'm really bullish on mushrooms. Like here's my card. And everybody like, watch the hand on the card and he's like yeah like drop me an email like yeah i'll talk to you soon and then i like turn and everybody just like sort of side eyes me and goes back to him it was so yeah funny he's got he's he's that charismatic it's just it's so funny because if you talk to him about like his trajectory and like the guy's a fountain of just absolute idea like i i took i actually take any i always tell him anything you start i'm gonna be a part of like First, the first thing, oh, I'm looking at the, okay, I'm in, right? Yeah. He did this one, you know, when they did a trends, right? They had the yeah. hustle, then trends, first one into trends. He did cool. another class about like uh, idea, ideation bootcamp, I'm in, right? Um, he did Hampton. I, I'm not a startup founder right now, so I couldn't do it. But my friend Rob, he's like, I'm in. <laughs> like, did, you, have you, did you get in on his writing thing? I, or, yeah. I don't uh-huh. know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Copy yeah. I, I joined his writing thing. Yeah. Copy I, this, I liked yeah. it a lot. No, he's, um, he, he'll, he'll tell you. I mean, so him and, um, uh, is it Neville? So copywriting course is, is Neville. Uh, I think it's Neville. I always forget his name, but they're like best buds. Look, look, awesome together. Right. Well, one of the things that's very powerful about why, and he'll tell you this, like why he's so successful, is just, he learned how to really write well, like just knows how to write well, just can tell a story and he can do it. And how he did that was he just like copied great writing. And if you if you if you listen to great writers, and if you listen to like any 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 you know back in the day, like even Hunter S. Thompson would just copy great writing. Stephen Pressfield, like all these guys, like they're just like I have to get it in my brain. This is what good writing is. Or they read a lot. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just well, it's just quickly on that point. So yesterday I had a couple hours, and so I went to a coffee shop and I. Have you, see, have you yep. come across this? Yep. The ad we cop. Yep. Well, bye. I just spent like three hours just like reading and writing. Yeah, um, exactly. And because to me, I kind of agree with copywriting being like a master skill. Um, yeah. It's something, you know, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and, and that is just a practice writing almost. Oh. Oh. Um, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, there's another great book that you should get called The Boron Letters. By Boron Gary Letters? Halbert. Yeah. B O R O M. The Boron Letters. Gary Halbert. So Gary Halbert is probably one of the top. Five direct mail copywriters on the planet. He's dead now. Um, his uh, his son now runs his empire, you know, so to speak. But the Boron Letters is a master's class in writing direct mail copy, and the reason why it's just so powerful is Boron is a federal penitentiary that he happened to find himself in because of tax evasion or something, and so he's writing letters to his son about. Oh, this is how I'm, you know, it's, and it's, it's, you know, it's this thick. It's just, it, it's an eight and a half by 11. It's real small. The type is like all like typewriter type, yeah. but you just read these letters. And then his, his son's name, I think is Bond. And so okay. he'll, he'll, his son will say, Hey, this is what he means. And this is how you can apply it. And it's like, it's, you know, not like, you know, the advertising one that you just sent up Sugarman, which is fantastic. There's just a bunch of really good ones, you know, um, the one, the guy on advertising, oh, what's his name? Hopkins, who did the um, okay. scientific advertising, which is another one. I mean, all these are just fundamental writing. Yeah. 
But he would go through and he's like explaining, okay, this is how you write the copy. This is why. He's like, some of these letters, I write these sales letters. I haven't changed these sales letters in years because they just written well. You know, people resonate. You know? And to your point, writing is so fundamental to entrepreneurship and so fundamental to any kind of business that if you're not practicing every day and getting better, and even, you know, like we've mentioned a little bit about AI. Right. If you want to just about to go there. Yeah. If you want to truly use AI in the right way, you need to be able to tell it what to do through writing, <laughs> like explain it, you know, and, and it's mind blowing when you, when you totally, I, and, and, you know, just kind of on the AI topic and there, it's like I, fundamental belief, right? Well, it, first of all, AI prompters, that's going to be like the next, like comp sci, like super well-paid kind of probably a pretty chill gig if you're really good at it. Um, but, but, but the other point as well is like, I feel like a lot of the current AI tools, what they're spitting out is copy and writing. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, we were briefly chatting about this before we hopped on, but like people who don't know if it's good or not, are like, oh, this is great. And, and then, you know, 99% of people are going to be like, I know an AI wrote that and it's trash yeah. versus like, if you, if you're a good writer and you understand your writing, you can then start to train the AI model and, and provide examples and, and provide feedback for it to use for, for then, for then the AI model to be generating really good copy. Right. Yeah. And so it sure. sort of allows you to to sort of, you know, double up that effort, but you, in the first case, have to understand what is good writing and, and be able to, to see it and be able to produce it or, or at least find it. Right? Yeah. And, and I also think that's, you know, Sam's, I think it's called copy that, which is his email. I think so too. Copywriting and, and I was just thinking the, the boron letters, I recognize those because of copy that. Yeah. He yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That he probably, thing. he probably talked about it because it's skin. There's like a half a dozen to a dozen books that are just fundamental to writing, you know, like Stephen King's on writing, you know? Yeah. Stephen King, like learn from Stephen King, you know, yeah. Stephen Pressfield's the war of art. Like if you're, if you are any kind of creative, I don't care who you are. If you're not reading the war of art, like you're missing out, man. Like, Oh God, I'm is, missing out. Well, what's it's, it's because he encapsulates the resistance to you doing your work, right? Like every, when you look at an entrepreneur and one of the major one of our major flaws, but also one of our major um, advantages is that we just sort of get focused in on like, like I want to build something. I like this. I got, I'm just obsessed with building something. Right. Cause you just are, cause you yeah. just go down the rabbit hole. The problem, one of the problems with that is that you, you only, what you tend to do if you're not disciplined is you tend to do the things you like to do, not yeah. the things you need to do. Right. So, all the boring quote unquote stuff, which is 95% being an entrepreneur is literally like blue collar work of getting it done. And, you know, even though Pressfield talks about it in the writing context of writing a book and pulling through the muse and the creative process, it's similar because you are, the resistance is, is there to prevent you from doing the work you need to do. And once you realize that and you can accept it, and that's what writer, I mean, writer's block writer's doesn't block. really exist. It doesn't exist. It's the resistance, you know, putting it in your way because you can write whatever you want. It's just you may have a high standard. Like, you know, we talked about the book that just came out. That took me five, five and a half years to write my memoir about my late watching. I know what it takes to write a good book. Like, that's a really good book. It's been well received got high reviews, it's won an award, it's going to win more awards. 
it's a solid five and a half year effort. Yeah. Like that's what it takes. And I'm like, if I write anything else, is it ever going to be good enough? And that's the resistance, right? With even with entrepreneurs, like, is this really something I can do? And, and I'm just so curious because you know you talked about the mushrooms, and I'm all oh I'm also interested if Sam invested. By the way, can't get away from answering that. Or if he did, he actually email you back, which from he did email me back. But well, so just on that quickly that thread, like I went home that night, went on to Fiverr, got somebody to make a logo. And then, and then built a pitch deck as well. And then like sent it out and, and he replied and like, he, he could kind of tell there wasn't anything there yeah. if I'm being honest. Yeah. And, and he, he was really nice and we like had a couple exchanges, but you know, he didn't end up investing. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's, you know, I, I would say that for him, he's, he's a pretty straight shooter. Like I, I can yeah. respect, I can respect his, yeah, like. He comes up with some good ideas. He's also, yeah, very astute. So, okay, cool. Well, Sam, you missed out. Yeah, I didn't take it personally. No, never. I don't think you can. So, yeah, I mean, what this, so, so you've got the mushrooms, you've got forage. Um, and just fascinating because, you know, food businesses are tough. You know, most entrepreneurs, you know, obviously in the tech world, like, uh, you know, they, as you mentioned, all they give it care about is tech. What was your background before that? Was there any? Yeah. Well, anchors? so, so, so slight tie. I, I'm, I'm like a part suit. So, you know, I, growing up, I, I was so, so in high school, I started to get really into science and I ended up, I had the opportunity to take um, a, a pretty cutting edge neuroscience course through MIT for an entire year as a senior. And that was awesome. I became like obsessed with neuroscience. I was like, I'm going to become a neuroscientist. Um, this is, this is where it's at. Like the entire year we actually spent, um, of like, what do you, what do different drugs, how do they impact the brain? So how does, what is caffeine doing to the brain? And like, how does that impact behavior? And then what are the after effects of that? Right. Um, caffeine, cocaine, marijuana, tobacco, psychedelics. And that was the first time for me where mushrooms, I was like, like, that's interesting. Like they were, I thought mushrooms were taboo and this horrible thing. And now it's actually, there's actually some really interesting medicinal value here. So anyways, that was my initial outlook on life. And then I, you know, got to school and pretty quickly realized that it was going to be like 15 years of school and I don't have patience for that. Um, and so I, I pivoted and, and I ended up going into management consulting and was at like a tier two management consulting firm, but I still majored in neuroscience. Um, and so my background, like I was really curious about neuroscience and like the impacts on the brain. And, and I feel like I went through like a biohacker phase, like kind of like a I don't know. Did, did you ever go through one of those phases? You get really into like Tim yeah. Ferriss, like Ben, the Ben Greenfield phase is what I yeah, call it. Yeah. Cause he, <laughs> he literally wrote the whole like Matt or Tim Ferriss does too, but Ben Greenfield wrote the book on biohack. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I got on the wave once like Tim Ferriss, like popularized it for me, but I know Ben Greenfield is. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I got into, you know, went into management consulting and like, I really liked the structure and like the frameworks. And for me, I, I still look back on that and, Feel like sometimes kids in college will be like, oh, like you know, you have a coffee chat or something, and someone's like, I got this idea, I really want to start it, and I'm, you know, I always kind of push back on sometimes being like, I really valued that experience, and like, I feel like even just like project management skills that that like I had that I had to develop were super valuable, and now I'm like really organized, right? And like sometimes I chat with other founders who like aren't organized, like don't know how to like track a project. Um, and so yeah, I definitely really, really liked, yeah, I really liked those skills. And then but I, I did get, 
bored and I started to lack autonomy. And that's where like doing the dieting thing, I was like, oh, this is cool. And I want something to do. And and that's where I sort of started to spiral into looking at, at other things. Interesting. Um, but I, to that point in college, I, I did, I had a couple entrepreneurial spurts. So like in college, I, I started and built a Twitter account to about 800,000 followers. That was super kind of lucky and, and opportunistic. Um, so like first day of college, I, I met a kid and I see him on his phone and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, like nothing. And of course I had to know. So I went and I like walked by him and like looked over his shoulder and I saw he was on a Twitter account that had over a million followers. And I was like, okay, what, what are you doing? Like, I see you're doing something. Yeah. And he's like, okay, like this is what I do. And he basically, you know, bails these Twitter accounts and then funneled traffic to blogs and then is running ads on blogs. And so on that, like on the spot, I was like, I will send you every single dollar I have in my life savings if you teach me how to do that. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, I'll send it to you right now. And he's like, okay. And I, and I sent him $3,216, like fourth day of college. Wow. I don't know, sometimes people will be like, oh, like you're really smart. Like I'm an idiot. Like that is, that <laughs> you're is. Committed <laughs> you're a committed idiot. That, that you're committed idiot. You're all in, man. You're all in. Um, yeah. But then he, he showed me and, and helped me out and built a Twitter account. It was called shit your parents say. Um, and yeah, and we ended up building it to $800,000. The best, the best profitable day I ever had was, was we made a thousand dollars in one day, shit, shit, you know, funneling traffic to a, to a blog post. Did that. I tried starting like a reversible pant company really for briefly out of, out of college. Um, so I don't know, you know, I have just been curious and wanted to build. I, I feel like, you know, you and I talk about this entrepreneurial like curiosity and it's hard to, it's hard to defy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, one of the other, one of the other ways I define it is actually from Jason Cohen. He's the founder of WP Engine. If you're familiar with WP okay. Engine, I've heard the name. I'm not super familiar. Yeah. They're like billion dollar company now out of Texas. He, I first found out about him on this mutual like forum we were on called Answers on Startups that the found the CTO of HubSpot, uh, Dinesh was another founder, but I was a moderator or whatever, but he has the best term for it. It's like, I'm an entrepreneur because I want to build an independent life that completes me. And I've always come back to that definition. In fact, I even, it's in the entrepreneur ethos, the book is, that's where I interviewed him for. And in fact, I, it was so funny. I got to interview him a couple of months ago, like on the podcast, which, you know, I'd known this guy for 15 years, like off and on, not, not formally, but wow, this is really cool. Like, yeah, it's coming full circle, man. You know, it's pretty it really cool. Neat back in the day um but i think the the desire to create you know like as an art i, I always think that entrepreneurs are the artists of the business world I, I really truly believe that because a lot of business people like they're not going to take the risks which is not like they're going to be you know go to the consulting firm they're going to do the account whatever it is they, like they just know the numbers they're not going to take the leap they're not going to create something from nothing they're not going to fuck the status quo and like bang up against it hard, right? And so I think the entrepreneur as creative of the business world is a certain mindset of, I want to solve problems, but I want to create stuff because creation just seems like it's an artist thing. You know, it's just fun, man. It's, there's something it's that's fun. so fulfilling about it. Yeah. Even if you fail, <laughs> it's like, totally, totally. I tried. And that's a hard mentality. I mean, there's a ton of people that always want to try, you know, try being an entrepreneur. 
you know, here's kind of an interesting one for you. So, so my, there was some point in, in forge forge history where like, we were like a week or two away from insolvency, like about to go bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 27. I'm, I'm a mama's boy at heart for my, my parents. And when I called my mom and I told her, I said, Mom, I think the business is going to go under next week. And my mom, <laughs> love my mom. She goes, really disappointed in you, in you saying that. And I'm like, oh, like, thanks for the support. She's like, yeah, I'm just disappointed. Like, it feels like you're giving up, you know? And, 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 and I kind of had a hard time, like, comprehending her response. But it, it sort of hit me like, I don't know, like, first of all, everybody sees the world in, in a different way. Um, but for her, like, like, if you're doing something, you better be like 1000% committed and it, and it like should never fail. And the fact that I, that I had like even accepted it, like she was like, I'm disappointed in you, which I just could not get over. I'm going to give her a hard time for that, like forever. Oh, uh, yeah. But also great advice, right? Totally. No, totally. I was like, I was like, I was like, you, I was like. For being a mom, like C minus, like for, for, for being a partner, <laughs> A plus, A, yeah. a plus. for being the mentor I needed as an entrepreneur, A plus. Yeah. No, I mean, that's very insightful. Right. You know, mo most times people fail because they quit too early. And, you know, I had a boss that used to say, never let money get in the way of progress. Just, he just would just not tolerate that. And, you know, it was it was profound statement, but also true. I mean, there's there's always some progress to be made. Now, of course, there's going to be a point where, look, like I can't do anything about it. You know, if you're something out of your control, some force majeure happens, like a pandemic or whatever, and then you can't, you know, like the world ends. Like it's tough, but. Most people quit too early. I mean, same with endurance events. I mean, you probably have the same experience. You're like, I'm doing an Ironman. You know, it's a two, what, 2.4 mile swim. It's a 110 mile bike or whatever. And it's a marathon, right? There's going to be a point on that marathon where you're like, I want to quit. <laughs> this is the worst or the bike or whatever your bad event is, right? Mine was a bike. I just hate the bike, right? Mm. And there's going to be a point where you're just going to want to quit. And you're just going to be like, done this bullshit so fed up with this yeah and the ones that make it are the ones that recognize that that's going to happen and they just suck it up for every second they just like i just got to make it one more second just got one more second and then all this happens you switch right you feel it you feel the i can't explain the feeling it's like oh i guess i could do this it was just me mentally working yeah it's interesting. I've you know, I've done a lot of reflecting on the Ironman experience, and I love that that you that you've done Ironman. So, you know, there's some there's something now. There's there's a respect here. I felt like you know, or one of my takeaways was like doing the event was was challenging, but it wasn't the hard part. The hard part was showing up every day for I tra I trained for six months every day. It sounds like you did nine, and that was where I found more of my like fuck this, like like I'm over this, like. I, I'm in pain. Like I've got a thousand other things I want to do. I'm exhausted. I, I don't want to go run 14 miles today and then swim in the pool. Like I'm over yeah. that, like super over it. And so, you know, there's, yeah. there's a saying now that I've heard and it's like, it's like the hay is in the barn. Like you just have to burn it down on race day. 
And I, and I, it's kind of true. Like, like yeah. if you go through the proper training and you do the proper steps and you show up and it happens, like, you're like it goes through and it, and it, and it's fine. But like the yeah. training is so challenging, grueling and every day for hours. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You win the game in practice is what my coach used to say. Sure. My, my soccer coach in high school. I can't. Yeah. The game is easy compared to practice. I mean, our practices were hell compared to the game was like rest. Like, oh, great. We get to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, there's pressure. And what I think, you know, same with any kind of elite athlete, elite special forces, the training's worse than, than the event, right? Like, it's like a really like, cause, and that the reason is, is that when you're in an event and you're doing that sort of stuff, you always, you never rise to the occasion. You fall to your training. The more, more time you spent sweating and training, just the better, more comfortable you're going to be. Like the example I said, where I'm literally swimming my first 150, 200 meters and I cramp my, my, my literal calves cramp up. I'm like, great. I just started and I'm screwed. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I guess I got to figure this out. And thankfully, this is sounds silly, but we were in a river and the water was like two or three feet deep that we were swimming. So I oh, could no. stand up and I could stretch my calves out and then got kept going. And it's like, like you're just like, how could I ever anticipated that? You know, it's like, okay, deal with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all that these arrives, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think that's why it was entrepreneurship, right? Yeah. As well. So, so how is Forge going? I mean, is it? It's good, moment? man. It's it's grueling, though. I mean, like we're we're we're, uh, we're we were kind of about to launch a new BL bar line, but like our margin structure has eroded pretty poorly over the last year in our granola line, so we're like having to fix that. We we had a really big anticipated launch actually in Asia. There was a huge. There's a pretty big Asia distributor that found us and like we had some great forecasts there was an also an LOI we had about 900 retail adorers committed that distributor went under um about six weeks ago you know and so that slashes our forecast like in half um but <laughs> it's like you're still day by day you're you're still like working and like you know for us right now the really big challenge is figuring out the uh, the margin structure because you know our co-packer they had um basically like they had all these contracts in place and, and they source all the raw ingredient that they had contracts in place that that lasted through covid so we got totally sheltered from a lot of the rising prices during covid and then they all hit about like six months ago yeah and now, and now like we're looking for other co-packers but like the mrqs aren't working out and like this co-packer we already have all the systems set up and so there's a lot of just like challenges with, with changing co-packers um and we're trying to figure that out because like at the margin structure we're at right now like we can't breathe like yeah. it's it's bad so it's just it's just another problem to solve though which which is fun you know and as, as and it zags. goes yeah so it's the zigs and zags right you just can't yeah. let it get you down you just gotta know another day in the life yeah it's like if it's not one thing, it's another. <laughs> What's going on in your world? Are you are you focused on the book? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, uh, how are you getting it out there? Um, well, I hired a PR firm, which which has been great. They're called BookSparks. Um, my uh, my my publisher is called Spark Press, so they they've got an arm called BookSparks, and just been you know 
doing podcasts, talking about it. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's a different kind of audience than entrepreneurs, although every entrepreneur has got similar feelings of, of going up against an enormous enormity of like, oh my God, how am I going to fix this? Well, you know, when, when your spouse has got leukemia, it's similar, but just the, the consequences are more dire. You know, yeah. your startup fails, no one's going to die. Well, life succumbs to dots, right? So you get, there's, there's that, but I've been finding a lot of different types of folks, a lot of uh, faith-based organizations, a lot of grief groups, a lot of just eclectic, like people I normally would never talk to. Um, but it's been beautiful. You know, I'm looking forward to getting the word out more and seeing how they kind of grow. And the reason I wrote it was to help men deal with the issues right. of this. And, you know, it's been getting good reviews. I, I, I'm happy with it. I'm, you know, it's weird when you write, publish books, you're always worried. <laughs> like, are they going to like it? I can imagine. Um, yeah. Um, especially when something takes so long. And I've just been blown away by, by, the, by the response. And I think it's only going to kind of, it's one of those things that sort of just grows over time. You know, there's not a lot of books by men, for men. I mean, it's not entirely just for men in grief, but not a lot of folks talk about it because not a lot of men talk about it. <laughs> Therefore, they don't write about it. But yeah, looking forward to seeing how it goes. It's just another journey, you know. It's just this strange, long, strange trip, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, man, that's that's cool. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll have, to, we'll have to connect after this. But one of the AI tools we built, we haven't brought to market yet, um, but it's all it's built like a whole model. It scrapes the internet for tons of like podcasts and influencer information, mm-hmm. and then uh, outreach. So like. I actually personally reached out to you, but I built like the model actually would, would help do that synonymously. Uh, oh, cool. Could just yeah. show you how to do it. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Parker's doing great chatting, man. Good luck with everything. Forage. Everyone should go check out and eat some mushrooms. It's good for you. Thanks, Sherry. I really appreciate your time, man. Stay Thanks, safe. Sorry. I appreciate being on the show. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.